the HD Movie Podcast may contain mature content, strong language and spoilers. Hello and welcome to episode 83 of the HD Movie Podcast. I'm Darren Gaskell. And I'm Hayley Alice Roberts. And in this episode, we have a new release for you. It's the recent Netflix original, The Curse of Bridge Hollow. Yeah, we're extending Halloween for an extra week. Our podcast, our rules. <laughs> I actually forgot to say, cue the spooky music in the intro to this episode. So, retrospectively, now that the spooky music has been cued and played, thanks once again to Mitch Bain for supplying us with some suitably creepy Halloween-themed music. That all said, it's on to this week's film, which is the new Netflix release, The Curse of Bridge Hollow, directed by Jeff Wadler. So as this movie is very much in its infancy in terms of release, there's only the generic IMDb synopsis that I can supply to you to tell you a little bit about the plot. So a teenage girl who accidentally releases an ancient and mischievous spirit on Halloween, which causes decorations to come alive and wreak havoc, must team up with the last person she'd want in order to save their town, her father. So yeah, this film at the heart of it is very much a father and daughter story. Which, on some level, that's quite good. I quite like the fact that it's father and daughter teaming up to fight evil spirits rather than the usual mismatched crowd of teenagers. There are some mismatched teenagers in this movie, but the focus is basically on the father-daughter relationship. And the plot idea where the decorations are coming to life, that's a pretty good one. It leads to some fairly impressive special effects, so I like the way that they've rendered some of the weird and wonderful garden decorations, which include things like skeletons and zombies. So all of that is really good, and I'm impressed with how they've brought it all to life. But very much like Hocus Pocus 2 for me, there is something missing in this movie, which is a shame, because all of the ideas are there, but I just wasn't sufficiently thrilled or amused or excited it just seems to be going through the motions and it's got a talented enough cast marlon wayans tries his absolute damnedest to wring some jokes out of a fairly 
threadbare script. And it's got lots and lots of talented performers in there. But I was just left thinking, yeah, it was watchable enough. It was passable. It was a bit of a time flyer. It didn't offend me in any way. But at the same time, I was left thinking, was that it? Is that all we got? It just seemed to fall short in so many departments. And I don't take any pleasure in this because I looked at the synopsis and thought, this is going to be great. I'm going to really enjoy this. And as much as I think it might be a gateway horror movie for young kids and sort of pre-teens, I think even they might get a bit bored because there's quite long gaps between the action and some of the jokes fall flat. And I don't really think it knows what it wants to be. Yeah, I'm with you there. I actually read a comment that someone said this movie was better than Hocus Pocus 2. So I was quite excited to get into it hoping for the best but again it left me lukewarm if I'm honest I mean on the whole it is a really fun Halloween family comedy there's nothing particularly wrong with it I think maybe we're not the right target audience I think it's definitely for a younger demographic and that's absolutely fine obviously it's trying to join the Stranger Things crowd with Maya Ferguson in the lead role She's very good in this, but of course, in Stranger Things, she is next level. Her character is so sassy and uh, comes out with some of the best one-liners and tells it like it is. So if you're expecting her to be like that in this film, it's not quite the same. She's a bit toned down. But it's a good performance. She's got good chemistry with Marlon Wayne. You know, he's fun as always, but there is definitely something lacking in this movie. And I can't really pinpoint it, but it just... I think I just wanted something more out of it. I mean, the ideas are quite creative. And as you say, the special effects are fun. But it, I don't know, it just wasn't groundbreakingly amazing in any way. It does also star my favourite member of Destiny's Child, Kelly Rowland. She plays the mother character. She's uh, more of a side character in this, not hugely well-developed. What I do like about this movie, though, is that because it's gone straight to Netflix and it's been given the 12 rating, it can push the envelope a bit as well. So it's got jokes in there for the parents as well as the kids. And one of my favourite jokes was uh, Marlon Wayne's character gets asked about how solid is his marriage. And he says like Beyonce and Jay-Z. So I thought that was quite a fun nod to obviously having Kelly Rowland in the film. And I think he has another line in it where he comments on the neighbourhood being full of white privilege. And again, like that's something that would probably go over younger kids' heads, but it's like something for the grown-ups to have a laugh at. So I think on that level, like it does push the boundaries a little bit, which is good to see because it's straight onto Netflix. It's not, you know, made for TV or anything like that. So that I did enjoy. So yeah, I think, again, this is a very average film. But there's a lot to like in it as well. It's as you say, it's very watchable. Not saying I would rewatch it though. Yeah, it's thumpingly average, which is kind of what's wrong with it because it doesn't really take flight at any point. The little glimpses of what it could have been just make it frustrating that the rest of the movie isn't like that. Like you say, the white privilege line that comes really early on in the movie, and I thought, oh, it's going to be a bit edgy. It's going to be quite fun. This, and there's going to be a lot of comment about small town America doesn't really do any of that it kind of hints at it's just a general it was supposed to be the safest town in small town america or something but they don't even make any of that because by the end of it when there's all the carnage one of the characters i think it's the mayor says well that's it for our award as the safest small town in america 
but that's the only mention really that they give to that it's nodding to things but it isn't really taking them where you want to be and it is a waste of good talent kelly Rowland is sidelined in a role she gets a really odd running gag about the fact that she is a vegan baker and her food is terrible and they have this running gag throughout the movie that nobody can eat it she goes to the fair and the mayor tries one of her is it a muffin i think it's a muffin that she tries and it's basically disgusting so the running gags are quite weird um there's also a bit of a gluten posse going on in this movie because spoiler alert at the end kelly Rowland decides that she's going to forsake the lack of gluten in her products and then she's going to add gluten and when she adds gluten hey presto the cinnamon rolls are delicious so there seems to be a weird take with this plot which i thought was a bit odd there is a kind of slight hint that all vegan stuff is disgusting which i'm sure is not the case i'm not a vegan but i have eaten vegan food i can say that gluten-free bread has got a long way to go but it's an easy target that's the problem it's full of easy targets this movie and it does waste people like lauren lapkus lauren lapkus is the mayor lauren lapkus is hilarious and they give her absolutely nothing to be hilarious about she's saddled with this fourth rate mayor character she isn't given any opportunity to give rein to her comic talent she's just there to service the plot and make the odd comments when you've got somebody like that in your cast why don't you use them why don't you get them to improvise a little bit it does feel like she's just completely restrained by this plot and it's it's so annoying when you see great comedians there and they give them nothing to do Marlon Wayans fares better because he's got the bulk of the lines and he's got this interesting thing about he's very much science oriented and he doesn't believe in the supernatural and some of that is quite fun where he's trying to get to grips with something he can't explain with science but even then they hammer that to submission there's so many jokes about this by about 50 minutes in I was like yeah enough of that let's just get on with the action yeah, I think going back to the whole anti-vegan subplot in it, yeah, it's definitely trying to imply that vegan food is horrible, like having, I think it's like a beetroot um, cupcake or something, which, yeah, does not sound good. <laughs> but I can speak not as a vegan, as a vegetarian who eats quite a lot of vegan food. There's so much variety out there now. It's so much better. Like, I never have a problem, unless it's, like, heavy on the mushroom. <laughs> That's going off on a tangent, <laughs> but... Yeah, I know what you mean. It's like the mayor character. It's like she's just there to be quirky and that's all her purpose is. And again, the main character makes friends with this group of high school misfits and they don't really develop them any further either. They're just kind of, everyone's a bit one-dimensional. And I think maybe there's too many characters in it to really cope with the screen time. So they should have scaled it back. Maybe just have given her like one friend. So, But then... Again, the focus is on her and her father rebuilding their relationship because he's going through anxiety about her growing up and being constantly worried about her and how she's developing as a teenager. That's kind of the part of the plot and it's him coming to terms with, no, I've got to let uh, my daughter grow up and find her own path and he's got to like see things from her perspective. And you kind of know, like as you say, the science attitude about that and, and it, it just kind of, you predictably can see that by the end he's going to be yeah I'm a believer in the paranormal and everything you just know where it's very paint by numbers as well like it's so predictable you can just 
see what's coming a mile off. I think that's its problem. There was no real surprises in there. I take your point as well about how the fact that there are too many characters in it, which means there's no time for development. The group of nerds initially could be quite interesting, but they keep constantly getting sidelined and they turn up every so often, but they're just there to do things like participate in a seance or do something weird at the high school, but they're not really driving the plot on. And when they do appear, it's like, there they go. Remember these guys from Act 1? Right, here they are again. Now we're going to throw them away again. Their participation in the final showdown is negligible. It's basically the family against the big bad. And everything gets resolved quite neatly. Surprise, surprise. There's no spoilers there. There's no particular massive final battle either. They know how to defeat the enemy. And there's a pretty short sort of skirmish against the admittedly impressive big bad, this pumpkin monster who is very good. But at the end of it, you kind of feel that even though they're saying that there's havoc going to be wreaked on Earth, the stakes don't feel that big at the end of it. It just feels like they are just going through the motions, like we have to have a monster, we have to have a way to defeat the monster, we have to communicate with somebody from the past who knows how to defeat the monster, we've got to have a showdown with the monster, we've got to recite the bit of Latin that will defeat the monster. There you go, end of the movie. You don't have to read the credits because it's Netflix, it'll let you skip them. End of movie. So it's it's fine, and the problem is it's fine. Because it could have been a lot more entertaining. I think that very undemanding kids might find something to like about this. And if they're willing to stick with the more pedestrian bits of the plot, there are enough funny moments that will work. The bit in the old people, so that's where it kind of gets a little bit more edgy and... I mean, it does have the, the, the best special effects and it has a massive spider that's chasing them around as well. So on its own, if you take the set pieces in isolation to the rest of the movie, the set pieces are generally pretty good. It's just all the connecting tissue is quite boring and you've seen it before and you're kind of waiting for it to get to the next big face-off between them and another set of monsters. And it just feels... I mean, it doesn't feel thrown together. It, it feels like it's been made with some care and ascension. But it doesn't do anything that you haven't seen before. So you'll be one step ahead of the plot all the time. You'll be thinking, well, this is going to happen next. Guess what? It does happen next. One thing I can say is soundtrack's pretty good. There's some decent music on. And if you're a fan of Someone's Watching Me by Rockwell, that classic hit, that's played in this movie. And also, Hocus Pocus Connection, I Put a Spell on You is in this movie as well, but it's the Screaming Jay Hawkins version. Yeah, I did uh, note that. I think I'm going to have to say, personally, I would slightly prefer Hocus Pocus 2 over this, only because we get the performances from the lead witches in that that are so iconic and they're fun to watch. I think because these are new characters and they're not quite well developed and the plot isn't as firm as Hocus Pocus, that's what lets it down. But general consensus on IMDb is a lot of people are saying good Halloween movie to watch with kids. Somebody said better than Hocus Pocus 2. Somebody else said stupid but entertaining. <laughs> a great Halloween kids film. <laughs> the perfect Halloween movie for the whole family. 
don't listen to the haters fun movie so i think generally i it would be pretty much a popcorn flick to watch with the family for halloween obviously if you've got younger children and you can't really watch more darker content like the kind of gory horror movies then this is probably a safe bet and it has all the halloween vibes going in it so i would say probably younger me would have really enjoyed this if it had come out when i was younger but older me is just a bit like yeah i've seen this all before it was okay but i'm not like raving over it and as i say, i don't think i would return to it at any point unless i'm in need of a kind of fun kids halloween movie to put on so maybe maybe one day i may revisit it but you know it's always going to be hocus pocus for me out of uh, that subgenre of film yeah i don't think this is going to take its place in the pantheon of classic halloween movies I did have some fun. I just didn't have the amount of fun I was expecting to. It's watchable, but you won't remember a lot about it after it's finished. There are some nods to adult movies. There's a bit where Malin Wayans goes through a load of skeletons with a chainsaw, which is quite entertaining, and then he uses some bones as some nunchucks. There's a bit of kind of Bruce Lee Enter the Dragon stuff, so he does that sort of impression. So there are odd bits of movie referencing that adults can enjoy but overall it's something that it's probably more family oriented and there's nothing wrong with that but even family oriented movies have got to have slightly loftier ambitions than this this just seems to be we're satisfied with it being fine and having a couple of outstanding moments and the rest of it can just drift along and as long as we have a happy ending and everything's okay then that'll be fine. And also, to do with sequels, there's a bit right at the end of this which hints that something else is about to start happening because they find something and they just say something like, oh, hell no, and then it stops. So there could be Curse of Bridge Hollow 2 if they wanted to. They're going to have to up the game if they're going to do a sequel. I mean, the cast are fine. I don't mind anybody who's in this. I think the performances are perfectly suitable for this sort of thing. But in terms of plot and development, they really are going to have to bring their A game to the next one because churning this one out again as a sequel, very much like Hocus Pocus 2, to a slightly lesser extent because, as you say, you've got the original cast and the chemistry of those. But if they're going to do a sequel to this, this has got to be much more of a step up than the stuff that we're given here because... It just ambles along amiably. And that's fine if you want to put something on that you're not going to concentrate on too much. But if you want to produce something that everybody is going to want to watch every year at Halloween, it's got to be better than this. Absolutely. I think for a 2022 watch, it's absolutely fine because it's new. But I'd be very surprised if this does become a Halloween classic as the years go by. And I am also very suspicious, given the suggestion at the ending, that there is going to be a Christmas Bridge Hollow movie. I can just totally see that coming, and it would not surprise me if that gets announced very soon. On IMDb, it has an appropriate rating of 5.6 out of 10. Then on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 41% tomato meter and a 61% audience score. I think, well, that's pretty acceptable for what this movie is, and I don't disagree with it at all i think um as we said this is fairly average it's a good movie but it's not an outstanding movie yeah and and i think most movies kind of will land in the middle just by the law of averages 
And this is a movie that lands in the middle. It's not terrible. It's not great. It's perfectly watchable. I had a reasonably good time while I was watching it, but at the end of it, I was struggling to pick on individual bits of the movie where I thought, well, that was really great. The odd sight gag and the odd bit of action and the odd special effects, they're all quite eye-catching, but you need more than that to add up to a really good film. It does seem that this suffers from a lot of general sort of cinema stroke Netflix releases because people say, oh, Netflix just churn out any old rubbish. And that's not true because the ratio of hits to misses on Netflix seems to be roughly in line with the ratio of hits to misses of films I see in the cinema. If I'm watching stuff on Netflix, some films are going to be great, some films are going to be terrible, most of them are going to land in the middle somewhere. Same with the cinema. If I go to the cinema, there are a few movies that I'll think, great, absolutely brilliant, almost masterpiece. There are some movies think, I never want to watch that again as long as I live. But most things land in the middle. It's like, it was fine, I'm glad I watched it, and then I probably don't need to see it for several years. So anybody that's kind of saying, well, Netflix is just a dumping ground for all sorts of cinematic rubbish. No, I don't buy into that argument. Because they're making quite a lot of stuff, then just by the law of averages, some of it is not going to be great. Some of it is going to be terrible. But that's the same with all movie making. So you can't level that at Netflix, I don't think. And this sits perfectly in the middle. I was fine with it, but that's it. Yeah, and I'm in agreement with you about Netflix. They they do have a lot of good content on there. And I am just going to shout out for the series I'm currently watching on there, The Watcher. I'm about three episodes in at this point, but I highly recommend it. There you go. You heard it here first, The Watcher. I haven't started <laughs> on The Watcher yet, but I'm sure that it's on my watch list. Having said that, my watch list is so enormous, I'll probably get to The Watcher in something like 2024. If you're looking <laughs> for something on-demanding that you can watch with the kids and not be worried that there's going to be any material in there that's going to overly upset them, then this fits the bill perfectly. I just wish it had slightly more ambition than it does have. I do wish we could chat longer. And that's it for episode 83 of the HD Movie Podcast. As always, thank you for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode and would like to check out more of our content, you can follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at HD Movie Podcast. We're sticking in the realm of recent Netflix releases. For next time's episode, we're going to be taking a look at Luckiest Girl Alive, starring Mila Kunis. Very much intrigued to watch this one. I was going to say looking forward, but I think it's a very harrowing subject matter. Therefore, I trust that it is going to be very well handled, but I'm intrigued to see it and I'm looking forward to discussing our thoughts on it in next week's episode. Yeah, I can see a potential content warning coming on for next week. So until then, stay safe, everybody, and we'll see you soon. The HD Movie Podcast is presented by Hayley Alice Roberts and Darren Gaskell. Its music is written and performed by Mitch Bay. You can find the episodes on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Samsung Podcasts, Amazon Music, Podchaser, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Player FM, Listen Notes and Podbean.